0: Uh, we're in our series Overwatch still, assuming our role as leaders in assessing spiritual threat in our lives and then eliminating that threat. That's our calling. That's our role. Today we're going to step into some deeper waters than we've been in before. So I hope it's a challenge to you, as it is has been to me. Uh, I want to start, though, with a little bit of setting the stage for where we've been. We talked last week about bowing to our king but not bowing to the enemy. We bow to our king, but we're bold against the enemy. We'll we'll kneel before Jesus, but we will stand against the enemy. We will stand strong. That's what we're called to do. Some of the things we talked about last week that we are to stand in. I have a list there for it at the beginning. We are to stand in the full forgiveness of sins by the blood of Jesus. It's important that we stand in that. We don't stand in partial forgiveness. We don't stand in trying to pay back. We don't stand in replaying the past. We stand in the full forgiveness of our sins by the blood of Jesus. We stand in the righteousness that is given to us by Jesus. We don't stand in trying to earn our own righteousness. We don't stand in some partial um, half-hearted or half Given righteousness, we stand in what he has given to us as a gift. He has declared us righteous. We stand in that. We stand in the calling we have over temptation, sin, and the enemy in Jesus. We don't stand in our own strength. We stand in his strength. We stand in who he has made us. We stand in the fact that he has been victorious. We stand in the truth of God's word by faith. We believe that. We stand in that. We don't stand in that some of it's correct, some of it might be correct, some parts we agree with, some parts we don't agree with. No, we stand in the full confidence that God's word has been given to us, preserved for us, and we believe it by faith. Even the parts that we might not understand or can figure out in our own mind, right? We stand in the confidence of God's presence, provision, and purpose in our lives. Even when we can't see it, we stand in that. We stand in the filling of the Holy Spirit for confidence, for gifting, for assurance and power. And we stand in the promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against us as long as we stand together as the church. Those are things we stand in. We stand in confidence in those. Those cause us to stand. Both feet on the ground, confident, eyes up, looking ahead, back straight, standing in righteousness. This is who we are. This is who we are to be as men. That equips us for overwatch battle. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. This is how you fight, by you knowing these truths. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. A promise Jesus gave to the disciples, and he gives to us as well. We can stand. We can put our foot on the enemy's head. We can trample over him. Ephesians 6.13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, standing is what we're called to do. We talked about that last week. But our standing is not just for the sake of standing. Standing only puts you in a posture for fighting. Standing puts you in the place that you can now begin the work. There's an element to which we are called to defense in the Christian life, but there's also a large element that we are called to that is offense, where there is a work to do, where there's ground to take, where there is an enemy to tear down, where there are lies that must be destroyed. So we're not standing just so that we can ward off what might come our way, we're not in a passive, defensive posture. We're to be in an aggressive, offensive posture. Look at First Timothy 1. Paul's writing to young Timothy, the pastor, and he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck." He says, there's some, they started off well, but they ended up like Gilligan's Island. They ended up with, uh, took a three-hour cruise, and all of a sudden they're on an island of seven castaways, and this is where they've ended up in their faith. They, they're off the battlefield, they're lost, they can't find their way home. There's some people, there's some men who end up shipwrecked. They've lost their way, they're isolated, they've, they've got holes in their ship and they can't, even, they can't even get afloat anymore. They're not any good in the battle because they have shipwrecked themselves. But we're not going to be those guys. We're going to be the men who stand. We're going to be the men who are in an offensive posture, and we're taking ground back. Now, we have described the enemy's tactics here, listed at the bottom of the page. We've described them in groupings, and we started off on our journey attacking some of these and describing some of these. Uh, We talked about the grouping of fear, anxiety, and worry. Those Those are tactics of the enemy against us. Those are not your personality traits. Those are not just something that was handed down to you from your mom or your dad. These are threats of the enemy that are not to be tolerated, not to be bargained with, not to be toyed with. Guilt, shame, and condemnation, those are not to be part of your walk in the faith. You're not to carry those around. Those don't make you a better Christian because you condemn yourself and walk in guilt and condemnation all the time. Those shipwreck you. Bitterness, revenge, and a critical spirit. Those will eliminate you from the battle. They'll take out your strength. They'll take out your ability to stand. Insecurity, comparison, and jealousy. Favorite tactics of the enemy to keep you out of the battle, to pull you aside, to distract you. Pride, resistance, and stubbornness sensuality, lust, and greed, self-hatred, self-rejection. These are not norms for us. These should never be accepted as normal. These should never be accepted as this, just part of my life. This should never be accepted as just the way I live. These are tactics of the enemy, and he will do everything he can to make you think these are normal. They are not. They're deceptions and they're lies, and they'll keep you out of the battle, and they'll put you in the shipwreck on a deserted island. That's why you must stand. That's why you must stand in the promises. That's why you must get into the battle. So, we're four weeks now. This is our fourth week in this series, Overwatch. And <clears throat> we've taken this challenge to be much more aggressive in assessing and eliminating threat. I'd love to hear from you what differences this has made so far for you. Has there been a difference it's made in your perspective on spiritual warfare? And your perspective during the day. Anybody? I know they <clears throat> sometimes you'll hear uh, it's defense that wins games, but if the offense never gets on the field, a defense can't win a game. There has to be an offensive strategy. And you're right. You can approach the Christian life and your own faith in terms of I'm gonna try to keep myself from sinning, I'm gonna set up all these uh, safeguards to keep me from sinning. That will get you so far but you will not win the battle by just being defensive all the time. The Bible says, walk in the spirit. That's an offensive move. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's how you do it. You've got to get on the offensive. You've got to be moving forward. You can't just play defense all the time spiritually, or you will end up shipwrecked in your faith. Good point. Anybody else? What difference has this made for you so far? So when Jesus said, again, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, that's offensive move. That's just not standing there waiting to see what's going to happen. That's you getting in the offensive posture. You're standing up, you're upright, you're moving forward, and you're eliminating enemy. You're el- eliminating the threat. It's <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> There you go. All right. So last week, standing. This week, look on the back. Here's our next assignment in the, in, the, in the war. Aggressively tear down strongholds that have held you or family members. Now we're moving into some aggressive, offensive posture here. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. I want you to look at all the offensive nature of what's about to happen. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That is full of offensive maneuvers. That is not just standing still, holding a shield, hoping you can ward off anything that comes your way. Pulling down strongholds. The original language suggests this is like demolishing and destroying with with violence, with intensity. This is taking uh, a stronghold that has held you or your family member A stronghold could be anything like a family history of uh, greed or anxiety or uh, depression or self-attention, addiction, could be any of those things. And this is us taking an offensive posture to pull down those strongholds, to eliminate them, to stop them, to be the chain breaker that says no more, it may have been in my dad, it may have been in my granddad, but it stops with me. I'm going to pull down the stronghold. Casting down arguments. Again, the wording suggests using destructive force to throw to the ground. You're casting down an argument. You're not just walking up and, and gently taking the brick off the wall and sitting on the ground. No, it's an aggressive maneuver of grabbing a hold of an argument that has been in your heart and your mind or maybe in your family or maybe in your marriage, some argument that is sidetracking you, some belief that is destroying your family. You grab a hold of that deception, that lie, and you throw it down. You say, I've to let this exist anymore in my life. I refuse to let this resistance be part of my family. I tear it down. I throw it down to the ground. And then the other one, that's offensive is bringing every thought into captivity. This is going in and taking by force and making a prisoner of war. This is going in and grabbing a hold of what has been a thought and say, no more, you're now under the reign of Christ. You now come here, you're on my turf. These are all aggressive postures that we're to take. I recognize there's the side of of grace and mercy and compassion and understanding, but that's not what you do in the realm of spiritual warfare. That's not the place for mercy. That's not the place for compassion. That's the place for strong, aggressive maneuvers rooted in the Spirit of God within you, right? This is what we're called to. Now, the thing is, unless you've been in a a family or a church or around some people who've done some of that stuff, you kind of come into the battle ill-equipped. Like, all of a sudden, you're thrown into the battle and like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. You've given me some weapons, but it's kind of like Tommy walking in with his big guns he brings in here. I wouldn't know how to use any of those things. That's just not my history. I don't have a history of guns in my family. I'm just, I kind of look at all that stuff like, oh, that's cool. Looks like something I saw on Call of Duty, but, you know, I don't, but I wouldn't know how in the world to really even hold it, shoot it, aim, any of that kind of stuff. That's what it is sometimes people come into spiritual warfare. They kind of come in ill-equipped. So we're about to take some steps to get equipped. Yeah? Let's do this. So if you're going to tear down some strongholds, it happens first in prayer. And here's what you do. You pray with authority and the position you have in Christ as forgiven, righteous, and victorious. This is where it starts. If you're going to do some battle, it starts in prayer. But it starts with you standing in the right posture in prayer. If you're going to do battle and tear down some strongholds, if you're going to pull down some things that have been long standing, if you're going to to cast down some arguments, you've got to do so with some confidence. And if it means quoting 1 John 4, 4, you do it. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You're going to need to tell yourself that. Because the enemy is going to parade himself as bigger than you. And that's where you say, no, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I can stand with authority and I will stand with authority and I will stand against you. I will resist you. I will resist you in my family. I will resist you in my marriage because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You see what I'm saying? You've got to stand in the posture, though, first of who you are in Christ. Don't come against the enemy weak. Don't come against the enemy timid. Don't come against the enemy asking him nicely to be nice to you. That will not work. You have to stand in the authority that you have in Christ and remember this promise. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Second, you have to pray with the authority position you have in your family as husband, father, and leader. Now, this is not meant to sound uh, sexist, or um, giving preeminence to men over women, but God has established an order in a family. And 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is, is man, and the head of Christ is God. There's an order. Even within the Trinity, there's an order. The Son answers to the Father. Within the Trinity... They're all one. No one is greater than the other. But here, we have an order within the Trinity. Even concerning the end times, the Bible says that the Son does not know the appointed time that the Father has for the day He'll return. There's order within the Trinity. That does not diminish the Son. It just helps us understand the role. The same is true in a family. As a husband... You have authority. Not to boss her around at all. To her, you're to love her like Jesus loves the church. But when it comes to spiritual authority, you have a place of headship and you have an authority position to pray for her with that authority. And say, if you know for sure that your wife is struggling with some. Issue, which everybody, any good husband knows what your wife's struggles are. Out of a place of compassion and out of a place of authority, you tell the enemy, Look, you leave her alone. You spirit of fear, be gone. You spirit of depression, be gone. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I am the head of this home. And I take authority over you, I take authority over my home. And you must leave. You see what I'm saying? You take your position, standing in authority in Christ, but you take your position as an authority in your marriage as well. And you can do that for your children. You stand in this place of the one that God works through to protect them. And you keep your shield strong, and you keep your sword sharp, and you battle against whatever spiritual enemies that they're facing. If you know your children are struggling with a certain issue, Don't deal with them initially. Get in prayer and deal with whatever those enemies are that are affecting them. You have authority there. Let that be the place you start your battle. Let that be the place you start your warfare. You start tearing down strongholds. If you notice that your children all of a sudden have a fascination with whatever it might be, and it's potentially destructive to them, then you start praying against that and you pull down that stronghold. You tear down that wall. You begin that work spiritually. This is what you're called to. This is what you do in Overwatch. You do the battle. It's just like in a military battle. There's stuff going on way up in the skies that the the group on the ground may not even realize. There's airplanes in the air. There's drones in the air. And they're doing work. They're doing Overwatch. They're taking out threats that the ground forces may not even realize. This is what you and I do. We get in the heavenlies and we start doing some warfare for our wife, for our children, for our friends, for our, our church. We start doing that warfare. They might not even know on the ground what's going on, but we do because we're in the overwatch position. See what I'm saying? Third one, you renounce and speak against lies that have been believed. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or renounce renounce what they have been a part of. This is where you, for yourself, you renounce things that you may have believed. It's important to do that. It's important to verbalize and say, um, I resist the spirit of condemnation that has held me. I resist the spirit of anxiety. I resist the spirit of depression. I resist and renounce a spirit of stubbornness. I renounce a spirit of selfishness. It's important that you do that. If you're going to protect your, your wife, protect your children, you have to do that work yourself of renouncing those lies in, in a spiritual attitude of prayer. And then declare that the enemy has to leave based on authority in Christ and on God's word. James 4 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's okay, and it's right. It's necessary for you to take authority and tell him he has to leave, to resist him, to cast him out of your home, to cast him out of your marriage, to cast him out of your family, whatever the situation or scenario is, any situation that comes up, to resist him, and to resist him plainly, plain spokenly, based on truth, to Have him leave the situation. And then pray with faith for an outcome based on the truth of God's Word. In other words, when you go to pray, pray based on what God has told us we have in His Word. There are things we can ask for in prayer, but you don't get to just come in prayer asking willy-nilly for whatever you want. Because God answers what He has already honored and blessed in His Word, and if you want to, if you want to see Him work, then you ask according to His Word. So, if you want to ask for God to uh, restore, heal, draw you and your wife together. You can do that based on God's Word. He has called husbands to love their wife like Christ loved the church, and for wives to love their husband like the church loves Christ. That's a promise. That's a a guide. That's a a principle he's established. You can pray for that, and he will hear that, and he will honor that. You're praying according to truth. You can pray against spirit of fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see what I'm saying? You ask according to Scripture. You say, well, I'm not sure what all of Scripture promises Really? Okay, well, great. That's a good time to pour into Scripture to find out what it says, right? That becomes your motivation. And hey, get on Amazon, type in book, promises of God. I promise you there'll be about 20 books that'll come up filled with promises of God. If you need one, get one. I've got some on my shelf because sometimes I want to know what promises are there for me and my wife. What promises are there for me and my Whatever it might be, my fear, my stubbornness, whatever it might be, I want to know. I want to know the promises for God's provision. And so when you start asking based on God's word, you'll see him answer. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You ask according to God's word, he'll honor it. And then I would say, finally, pray with energy that doesn't stop until there is victory. What we're describing here is warfare in prayer. And rarely is warfare ended with a single maneuver. Warfare happens over time. The battle can sometimes be long, and it has many skirmishes, and it takes a while. Spiritual warfare is the same way. It will not end with one simple prayer. It will will begin the fight, and you have to stay constant in that fight. You're fighting for your wife. You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your friends. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your church, and you keep praying in that. You don't stop. You keep at the warfare. Colossians says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. You keep praying. You're thankful in it, but, boy, you are vigilant in it. You don't give up. You don't stop praying. You You don't give up because you haven't seen an answer One week in, you just keep going. You keep praying. This is warfare prayer. This is a different level. I love all that. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, The world today would tell you, if it happened to you once, this is now your identity. If you had an urge, that's because that's who you are. If you had a failure, this is now your dysfunction. Not true in Christ. I may go through a trial, but that trial is not me. I may experience a temptation, but that temptation is not me. Right? This is how you win the battle. You know who you are in Christ. and You stand in that. You are not your urge. You are not your failure. You are not your dysfunction. You are who Jesus says you are. And I love that, David, about adding the ING to any of these because, this, like I said, this is not a one-time, uh, one-stop shop. We're, we're getting into a war here. We're in a battle, and it's going to take some time. So, this is, this is kind of the vision for us. It's not kind of, it is the vision. It's God's vision for us to be that kind of men, men who are on the offensive. We're not just cowering in the corner in some uh, terrified defensive posture. No, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Let's get up, hold the sword, let's go to battle, right? All right, there's, there's questions at the bottom of the page here, Discuss these at your table. Have someone pray at the end.